0: It is so good to see you. Thank you for being here. I I hope, mo- I know most of you are going to have tomorrow off. I pray it will be a great time and a blessed day uh, for you. And I pray for all of you who work tomorrow in places like mm, Sheriff's Department, hospitals, a lot of other places. Thank you for what you do uh, to make our community so much more of, of a good place. So we're thankful for you. Our scripture today is Romans chapter 10, and I'm going to read verses 14 through 17. It's part of a larger passage of scripture that is so very important and so meaningful to us because it is written by a man by the name of Saul. We know him as Paul. He was a Jew, a very devout Jew. So it was Jesus so were the first 12 disciples, they were all Jews. Paul came to know the Lord in a very special way when when Jesus revealed himself to him as he was going to Syria to destroy the church, the small church that had cropped up there, all of them Jews. And then from that point on, God had set aside Paul, and Paul made it his life's mission to tell the gospel. And most of his was to non-Jews, but chapters 9, 10, and 11, he wrote to talk about why the Jewish people had not followed the Jewish Messiah. I tell my my non-Christian yet, Jewish friends, uh, that I worship their Jewish Messiah. say it with kindness and gentleness, but I do, and I'm so thankful. Here's what Paul said about the, the Jewish people. He said, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for Israel is they might be saved. Paul said, if it were possible, it's not, if it were possible, I would be accursed. I would be cut off from the gospel in order that the Jewish people might be saved. And he becomes the example of what you and I need to do and the way we need to think and the way we need to pray. How do we? take up the challenge to share our faith. Let's read these verses and then we'll try try to find some answers from the Word of God. Now, here's what Paul says. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Then he starts applying it to the Jewish people. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written in the prophets, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, here's the point, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. How do we take the message of Christ? How do we take what has changed us so sincerely, so devoutly, how do we take what is meant to us and we share it to people who have not yet received and not yet heard? Who is there in your life for whom you could say, Lord, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for this person is that they might be saved. Who is it in your life that you wish you could share the, the, the hope and the happiness and the joy and the peace that is within you? Maybe you, are, maybe you are here at church for the first time. It's almost every week that somebody comes to church, period, for the first time, and we think about you often and think about what we're saying and how we're responding Because here's what we want. We exist to help people know and accept Jesus Christ and through him have life-changing relationships. And so we think about you often. And we think about, not about good and bad, we think about, Having Christ and not having Christ. Because in my life, what, what, how would you say, what would you say to somebody who says, What is it that makes you go to church? What is it that makes you give an offering? What is it that makes you do it on a regular basis? What is it that makes the church the heart and the center of your week, and and something that is important and serious to you? What makes you that way? How would you respond? That's what we're talking about today. How do you respond? How do you help somebody else that you love and care about? My guess is there's somebody here today. Maybe many somebody's here today who. Because a friend that you love and a friend that loves you ask you to come to church with them today because they want you to experience what they've experienced in Christ. I often tell people, what is it that you would say if your good friend said, Okay, tell me why you go to church, tell me why you give an offering, tell me why this matters to you, tell me why you invite me to go to church with you. Now, boy, that would be a great thing. I hope somebody will do that. I hope one of you who is new here today will ask the person who invited you why you did that, because what do we want to say to you? We want to say that God has done something in our lives that is miraculous, that is beyond comprehension, that is bigger than us, that has nothing to do with our behavior in any sense, but it has to do with the very powerful experience of God entering into our lives that we are His and He is ours. If somebody were to ask you, what is it that God does for you right now, Uh, I would say something along these lines. I have, here's my testimony. I have more peace in my life right now than I've ever had. It's a good time. But it's not a time without difficulty and trouble and worry and and things that you wonder about. But I, I feel peace in my heart. And most mornings... Most mornings, I wake up with a sense of joy, and on the mornings I don't, I spend time with God and saying, God, I want that joy that I have most every morning, and it is amazing to me. It's still amazing. I've been a believer a long time. It is still amazing to me that if I will submit myself to God, God, I want that. I I want my soul to be happy in you, and I will spend time in prayer, and I will spend time in God's Word and, and let Him work within me. I basically have that joy. And so there's peace and joy, but there is guidance. That we go to God and we ask Him, God, what would you like? For me to do. And how would you like for this to work out? And on top of that, there's the forgiveness of sin, and there's the making whole in Christ. And there's the promise that there is something waiting for me in my future that will that will make my past look like a miniature, a sardine. There is something that is waiting for us that is beyond anybody's comprehension. So how do we share that with people we love and adore and want to know God and want to be with us in heaven? How do we share that? So let me give you several things to do, and I'm going to start at the bottom instead of the top. Now, it's number one on your list, but I'm starting at the bottom, not at the top. I'm going to turn it around because this passage of Scripture in the Greek language is a part of literature that does exactly that. In case you looked at it again, think of it in verse 14. How can they call on someone they don't believe in? How can they believe on someone they've never heard about? How can they hear without a preacher? How can anyone preach unless they're sent? In other words, Paul takes the the normal and he turns it upside down. He starts at the bottom instead of starting at the top. So I'm going to do the same kind of thing. So let me start at the bottom and ask you to emphasize your own personal holiness. Now, holy is not a word that is used unless it is used to talk about pagan peoples and a holy man and a holy place and a holy something or the other. We usually don't use that unless you're in a Christian context. The world doesn't use the word holy. What does it mean? Whalen's definition, holiness is doing everything that pleases God and nothing that doesn't please God. And it has a positive connotation. You're doing everything God wants you to do. Start with do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Start with love your neighbor as you love yourself. Start with living for God and desiring to please him. Do everything that God wants you to do that that pleases God. But it also has a negative aspect. Everybody here gets that. There are negative in in our lives that we want to get rid of. God, I don't want to be so fearful. I don't want to be so anxious. I don't want to be so prideful. I don't want to be so selfish. So it's a positive and it's a negative. Holiness is doing all that pleases God and nothing that doesn't please God. Now, it is interesting that the world is not very fond of holiness. In fact, I would say it this way, and the world means that world which is opposed to God. It doesn't mean the earth, but it means those that are opposed to God. Those that are opposed to God despise holiness. But those same people, your neighbors, your friends, your family members, desperately need for you and me to seek holiness because holiness gives them hope because holiness points them to a way because holiness shows us the living God and he is personal and he knows us and he cares about us. Our our holiness comes from his holiness. Simon Peter... Everybody, uh, I suppose, almost everybody knows Simon Peter. He was one of the disciples. He became the leader of the disciples after Jesus was raised and went into heaven. Here's what he says. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived apart from God. But just as he who called you is holy, that's God, Just as he is holy, so be holy in all that you do. Let me make a really big disclaimer, and that is this. Peter is not telling you, you've got to be perfect. Peter wasn't perfect. Peter didn't get it all right. We're we're not asking you to be perfect. We're asking you to say to God, God, I want to be like you. I want to live like you. I want to live a holy life. The world, your family, your friends need you to live a holy life, not a legalistic life, not a rule life, but a relationship with God that says, God, I want to do everything that pleases you and nothing that doesn't please you. Number two, be consistent in your belief and your behavior. Like children, need consistency. So the people around you, the people you go to school with, the people you work with, your family, your neighborhood, your good friends, they need you to be consistent. They need you to be somebody they can depend on that can show them the way, that can encourage them in the way, and that they can know that you are going to love them in spite of anything in the past. That you are going to matter to them. Most people wish they had one friend like that. I just wish I had one friend who would love me no matter what. I wish I had one friend who cared about me and put me above all else and I matter to them. I wish I had one friend that I could count on no matter what. Why don't we all be that kind of friend to someone else and then give them the greatest of all gifts? which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said it this way, and it almost sounds like it's not right. Jesus said, let your light, where do we get light? We get it from Christ. Let your light shine before other people that they may see your good works. Now, that's the part that doesn't make sense, but there's not a period there and glorify God who is in heaven. In other words, any good works that we would do are for the glory of God. They're not about us, they're about Him. And when we do good works, when we're consistent, when we seek to live holy lives, then we become a blessing to other people and then we have the opportunity to give our faith for free. I know that sounds funny to to you because we don't charge for it. God doesn't charge for it, but we get to give it for free, and what I mean by that is is that we give it not for what we get because we gave it, but because of what they get by receiving what it means to put your faith in Christ, and we give it. For free. And if you give it for free, you don't get something in return. You don't manipulate. You don't take advantage of people. You don't go around saying, look at what I did, look at what I accomplished. You give it for free. You share it. And you preach. Now I have been, I always say this. What were those people thinking? I have been preaching since I was 17. I didn't intend that. That was not my mom's idea, and that was not my dad's idea. And I promise you, it was never my idea. But for, for something from God, I've been preaching since I was 17. So I preached a long time before we were married, preached a long time before we had children. But I knew even at 17 that the word preach often had a negative connotation. So I kind of just made a rule at my house, not always followed, by the way, but I just kind of made a rule at my house that we're not going to use the word preach in a derogatory way, like don't preach at me or you're preaching or whatever. My guess is most of you use the word preach more negatively than you do positively. I don't fault you. The word preach means to proclaim. What does this passage of Scripture say? How can they hear without a proclaimer? Faith comes by hearing, and it comes by hearing the message of Christ. We must give our hope freely. We must give what has made a difference in our lives, freely. Give your faith for free. Share it and preach it in sense of proclamation. But number four, we'll just slide right into this, but when you do it, do it with gentleness and respect because nobody... Nobody wants to be preached to in that sense of a negative connotation. And neither do I. You don't and I don't. And so Simon Peter says, here's the way you do it. Always be ready. If your friend says, tell me why you go to church. Why you fi- why do you have this peace in your heart? Why do you have this basic joy? Why do you seem to, to have more happiness than you do sorrow? Even in the midst of things. I preached this last night and I looked at a family over to my left and I, I couldn't help but I've known them for a long time and all of the hurts and pains they've gone through and yet here is a husband and a wife with the joy, with the basic joy in life that is simply beyond anybody's comprehension. Nobody could explain it. Nobody could explain what they've gone through in life apart from the work of God dwelling within them. Tell me why you have that. And so Simon Peter said, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have in Christ. Always be ready to talk about that. But then he says this, listen to what he says, but do it with gentleness and respect. There's not a one of us here who doesn't want it to be treated with respect. Take the youngest child, take the oldest adult. Every one of us wants to be treated with respect. Everybody wants to be spoken to with gentleness and kindness and love and compassion. And Simon Peter says that this is the word of God. So why in the world do we do it the way we do a lot of times? No, do it with gentleness and respect. Number five, seek to understand the people you love. Seek to understand kind of where they're coming from. Seek to really know them and to know their hurts, to know the the struggles that they go through in life. Seek to understand them. And by understanding them, helping them, and encouraging them in faith. Do you know what? There are all kinds of people who don't go to church because they went to church one time. And they got hurt somewhere. And there are all kinds of people who who had an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent or somebody who just poisoned them about the church and about Christ, and about Scripture. Seek to understand where they're coming from, what they're dealing with, the hurts that they experience in life, and emphasize healing because that's what God wants to do in you and me. He wants to heal us. And, and one of the greatest things we can do, we know this from secular counseling. We know this from psychology. All truth is God's truth. And we know this, that when we are willing to bring something deep within us out in the open to the light of day, it helps. And There's not everything you, I mean, shouldn't just broadcast everything. But to somebody who loves you and somebody who has proven they can keep confidence just to be able to say, here's what I, how I hurt. Here's what I'm experiencing. These are, this is the deep shame of my life. When we do that, there is freedom that comes. There's healing that comes. And one of the things we need to do is try to help our loved ones our, to be healed. Scripture does that for me. Loving people around me who love me unconditionally, do that for me. Emphasize healing. As a church, we, we are emphasizing healing. Right, right now we have a, a lot of healing ministries, and we're looking for more healing ministries. We have a we have grief share. We have two sessions of it, and both of them are full. Not full in the sense that you can't come. It's just that there are a lot of people. Most of them are not our members. I will walk by when they are gathering and and a whole lot of the time I, I hardly know anybody there. And they are not the kind of people you would assume... I mean, I guess all of our minds go to a 65-year-old widow who has lost her husband and she is grieving. But these are people who are very old and these are people who are very young. And if they, when they feel confidence and can talk about their hurts and their pains, you find that the grief is a huge category. And there are all kinds of grief that people are going through. We have divorce care. We have celebrate recovery. That sounds like you ought to be talking about addictions, and we should because it's an epidemic in America. But celebrate recovery deals with codependency, and it deals with anxiety, and it deals with fear, and it deals with anger, and it deals with everything else. And we try to be healing. We have a group of uh, Young boys that meet as kind of a, a group, an outdoorsman kind of thing. we have a group of girls that meet, all of them led by parents. And there's always children there who's, who are raised by grandparents or raised by other relatives who need as much help and they need the input from those parents, and we emphasize healing. And we need to emphasize healing because we are a sick society. Did you see it this week? The average life expectancy in America three years ago was 79 years of age. Three years later, It is 76.1. And if you're a male, it's a lot less than that. So what happened? Well, COVID happened. That's one thing, obviously. But the number of overdose that occurred, both deliberate and accidental, think of the opioid crisis, think of fentanyl, Think of the suicides, huge, painful, painful, painful things that are happening in in our country. We are a sick society, but you and I have a great physician. We need to emphasize healing. And hope. Everybody needs one person who says, I'll stand so- beside you, and there is hope, and I give you hope. What's step seven? Step seven sounds like a preacher. It is like a preacher. It's the words of a preacher. We need to preach as a dying person to dying people. The the preacher's name was Richard Baxter. He lived in the 1700s. He looked back over his life, and somebody asked him the question about his preaching, and he said, I always preached as never to preach again. I always knew that that sermon might be my last sermon, and I always preached as if never to preach again as a dying man, to dying men, and you and I need that kind of attitude that, that this world goes by really fast and life gets over with really early, and none of us knows that this will, whether or not this will be our last worship service. None of us understand that. We must live, we must preach, we must share, we must must do the things of God as if we will never get to proclaim this again and as if everyone is dying and that we are dying. And we are. Some of you laughed with me before about this. Years ago, I, I was in the company of two men, 85 plus 85 plus, and I'm just overhearing their conversation. And one guy said to the other, I told my wife, if I die, now you should think about that, if I die, if I die. I, I'm sure he meant if I die before you do. I'm sure he meant that, but that's not what he said. And I think deep within us, that's the idea we have. You know, it's an if I die. Also read at that about that same time, everybody thinks we're all going to live about 15 more years. So I got the number in my head right there. I'm not morbid. I don't think I am. I don't think you think of me as being morbid. I'm not morbid. But in July, I woke up in the middle of the night. And I couldn't get several men off my mind. And I just felt it was God saying, these men need to know me. And you are the key. Maybe God is saying that to you. Maybe right now there's somebody popping into your mind whom you love deeply and you recognize, if I go to heaven today, I don't know whether they are going or not. And I want them to know God. And I want them to experience God. And I want them to have the the love and the joy and the peace that I've experienced, not because of who I am, but because of who He is and because of what he's done in my life i want to encourage you today to to receive Christ. I want to encourage all of you who know Christ to say, God, give me that opportunity to share my faith with that one person you put in my mind right now. And I want to encourage those of you who who are new or newer and haven't trusted Christ, have not done something deliberately that says, I come to faith in Christ. I want to encourage you to do that. And we do, here's what we do. Every Sunday we have an invitation. That doesn't make us better than any other church. It just makes us different. But we do that for a reason. Because we are preaching to dying people. Because every one of us, we need Christ for today and we need Christ for eternity. And so we make, we give you an invite an invitation to let us help you know Christ, talk with our pastors, pray with our pastors, publicly profess your faith in Him. Jesus talked about the importance of, of doing that. If you do not confess me before men, neither then will I confess you before my fathers in heaven. A lot of ways you can do that. You don't. It's not just this way you can do that, but that's essential, that's necessary. Would you do that today? And would you let this be? a time in which you open your heart and your life to God. I'm going to pray in just a moment. At the conclusion of my prayer, will be the time for you to come. Would you stand with me and let me lead us in prayer? And then the music will begin. The pastors will be here at the front, we will invite you to come. Lord Jesus, we praise and honor you. You did not have to come to earth, but you did it out of love. You did not have to leave, heaven but you did you became human flesh and you became the once and for all sacrifice for our sin that by trusting in you that we might live with you forever god would you impress that on people's hearts today and draw them to yourself we pray this in the name of jesus amen